Look, I don't know if you guys have heard about this article in the New York Times about honeybees vanishing. The honeybee is vital to the environment. Bees, Scotty. Bumblebee! Killer bees. Are you endowing these bees with human motives? Yeah. Bees are funny. You're not interested in what happened to the bees. Do you have any idea what those bees can do? Welcome to Killer Bees Season 3. And this time, this is a Wu-Tang podcast. What? That's correct. <laughs> Finally, on the podcast where we profile B-movie and genre film icons, we're talking about the Wu-Tang Clan. Wu-Tang. Did I nail it? Yep, you did. My name is Garrett Smith. My name is Rory Potenza. Uh, we can be found everywhere on the internet at Killer Bees Podcast. That's Killer BS Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and at gmail.com. Send us an email. We're also a part of the Movie John Podcast Network. That is the Philadelphia John, J-A-W-N. You can find us on moviejohn.com. Our artwork is by Alex Schneider. Our music is by Christine Rayburn and her partner, Pat. And as I mentioned before, today, on Killer Bees, we are finally talking about the killer bees themselves, the Wu-Tang Clan. We did it. Uh, and really did it just so Garrett could take that one line out of the introduction. I don't want to keep making that stupid joke for the rest <laughs> of the show. Which also means that from now on... We have did to we find a new intro for the show? Well, actually, we have already recorded an episode yeah. that will come out later uh, with our first Killer Bees guest, which is very exciting. Yes. We'll um, have guests this season. Yes. And if you know anyone follows said person, they may already know this is a sure. thing that yeah. is happening because uh, I let them announce it in their newsletter. But... Uh, I think maybe we had an intro that we did in that one. So, oh, really? <laughs> so we might. Have I already have forgotten <laughs> that we have a new intro? Yeah, we're going to have to listen to our old episode to figure out what our new intro is. Okay. Yep. <laughs> I'm sure that's not confusing for anyone listening. No, definitely not. Uh, well, I'm very excited because I do love the Wu-Tang Clan. I'm excited we get to cover them yes. for the show today. Yeah, and if you know us trying to figure out what we were going to say for the past few minutes wasn't enough of an issue, we're going to try to figure out what we watched recently that we liked while Letterboxd is down and neither of us can actually remember what we've watched lately. Uh, yes. So uh, this is a fun game. I know that one thing we both liked recently was Spider Baby. Spider Baby, right? yeah. That's what it was called? I had asked for some suggestions for like horror-specific like femme fatale movies because I feel like femme fatale in my head is still like a noir kind of thing. Yeah. And so I was like looking for suggestions and then a couple of people were like spider baby and i was like i've never seen that and they were like yo like you need to watch spider baby and so i'm very glad we did it's uh, directed by jack hill who's done a oh, lot yeah, of right. like the exploitation films like a coffee, pam greers right? that we've watched yeah. yeah um and and really liked but this is a black and white film starring um long cheney long jr, cheney jr. and it is so strange. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's I believe meant to be like a Universal Monsters homage, um, and maybe more specifically, in my opinion, was like kind of based on the Old Dark House, which is a James Whale movie that you and I both like. Also, a Universal horror movie, just not one of the monster movies. Um, they bring up the Universal Monster movies in this movie with Lon Chaney, and Lon mm. Chaney quotes himself <clears throat> from the Wolfman movie. Um, it, which is pretty interesting to me because this movie's from like the. Six, the late 60s? Yes. It's like the year before the Hayes Code ends. Right. Um, so it's interesting to me that there's like meta elements to it and that it seems yeah. to me like it is really trying to be in the tradition of Universal monster movies. Yeah. 
but is, you know, uh, a sort of modern update on them in ways that is really interesting and fun and, and weird. It's a really yeah. weird movie. Well, and I also keep thinking about, and I don't know much of the history of this and some of the other movies I'm about to mention, but I have to assume that this was an influence for Toby Hooper and Texas Chainsaw, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as well as uh, an influence for a movie that Sid Haig, who's in this movie, is in later, uh, House of a Thousand Corpses. Agreed, yeah. yeah. In the same way that when we watched House of a Thousand Corpses, we were both like, oh, this is the premise of the old dark house yeah and this movie is kind of also the premise of the old dark house but incorporating some elements that then i do think rob zombie specifically pulls from this yeah as opposed to the old dark house. Yeah, it's yeah. like uh-huh. like just that like skipping Russian stone. Nesting doll yeah. <laughs> of yeah, yep. Yeah, which is pretty I mean, it's like a fun like genre, like or like subgenre, like the uh the creepy like family that like visitors are just like happenstance find somewhere. Yeah, pe- yeah. Uh, uh, some innocents stumble upon yeah. I guess the best way to say it would be like a demented family of yeah, some kind. Yeah. Is that is that an, a, a mostly inoffensive way to say, say yeah, that? Yeah, like I know in this one they specifically say that like the children of the film are like regressing. Yes. And that is bringing out more violent tendis- tendencies yes. in them. Um, but yeah, I don't know if there's always that sort of explanation. No, for no, these things, I, and that's yeah. why I said it like that because it's like the the family from Texas Chainsaw is a different kind of demented, but demented, yeah. right? Like it, it's it all is revolves around this idea of these like very strange family clans they reference inbreeding also Mm -hmm. which like is one of the tropes of i think a lot of these films Yeah. yeah Pretty, I really liked Spider Baby. I yeah. thought, it, and it was like one of those movies where, like, for the first ten minutes, I was like, "Is this in poor taste? Is it kind of boring? Is it?" And then, like, within about ten more minutes of that, it starts to really gel into like, "Oh, this is like a high camp comedy, yeah. basically. It's pretty. It's, fun. it's really campy. It's really funny. It's really weird." It's got some really good performances in it, including Lon Chaney, yeah. I think, is very good in it. Playing, like, a kind of stoic character, almost. Like, it, there's something interesting about yeah, him. Yeah, Lon Chaney Jr. is just really good at playing these, like, somewhat tragic characters. Yeah. And I think it's because he has, like, a sad face. I, you're right, actually. <laughs> stoic was the wrong word. It is, yeah. There's, like, a sadness to him. Yeah, like, all of his performances are just, like, a little melancholy. And it's yeah. just uh, really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And I've noticed that with, like, all of, the, even, like, the campiest movies I've seen him in. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we watched it on Tubi I think like if you want to watch Spider Baby you can Mm. watch Spider Baby and I totally recommend it I thought it was a blast yeah super fun um, the other movie that I remember recently was The Villainess because yes. it, it had been on my watch list for a while and we even talk about it in an episode that will come out later. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, specifically we're listening to str- screen drafts and yes. they were talking about like 21st, 21st century, century yeah. uh, female action. Yeah. and I didn't mean to talk over you. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. I saw your face go like, what was it? And I started answering as you answered. Yeah, no, it's fine. I know you were like trying to help. Yeah. So. <laughs> But also, I love that it's like a female-focused thing, and you're like, yes, let me jump in. Let me explain this to you. (laughs) Have you heard of women? Yeah, it's fine. (laughs) I'll poison them later. Um, Yeah, so they mentioned Villainess and talked just about how kick-ass this movie was, and even how um, influential it was to like action scenes in movies that come after. Mm -hmm. Um, John Wick 3, in particular, takes like a bunch of stuff from this movie. Yeah. Um, The lead in it is the woman in Thirst, which is a park 
Chan-wook movie, right? Yeah. yeah. I was like, I think it's him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, she, we loved her in that, and I thought she really kicked so much ass in the villainess. There's some like weird stylistic choices, but the overall action, like, it's wild what they pulled off. Yeah, it's like I, in my letterbox review, I said something to the effect of like, it is frequently inventive in the way that you're watching it and going like, how did they even get the yeah. camera where they've got it? Like, I don't understand how they did this, but it's as frequently like kind of difficult to process and understand what you're actually watching. Yeah. Um, it has that kind of, I usually call it, it it's, kin, it's frenetic as opposed to kinetic. It's like frenetic. Mm. It, it, the camera moves around maybe a little too much and, and edits around maybe a little too much. Um, but it, it is remarkable in, in so many different ways. And I, I just thought the story was fucking awesome in this yeah, movie. Yeah, like what I love about this movie is that I feel like with most female-led action like it, you typically have a woman who's kind of like cold-blooded killer, like mm -hmm. like like the men, uh, sure, typically. Like, a, like Atomic Blonde is maybe a yeah. good example of this. Yeah, but like for her to be this amazing killer, she, al she also like kind of needs to lose some of her like femininity in some sure. sort of way. Yeah. And so in this movie, I feel like they do a great job of giving her like a really interesting backstory that is like very emotionally charged. Um, there, she is a mother. Uh, she has a like really effective love story in the middle of this movie too. And but like all of those parts work together in a way I've like never seen in movies like this. And I was genuinely just like in awe of that. There is like a real harmony to the story elements mm -hmm. and the action elements as far is like they all really matter to each other yeah. like the drama of her life matters to the action situations that she gets in and vice yeah. versa you know which is really impressive yeah um i kind of wish the action were like a little cleaner maybe is the way to say it mm -hmm. or something just because i like watching the i like watching fight choreography i like watching those long take fights and stuff yeah. and um but i don't know that i would have changed anything about this you know the, the mm. fact that it is not just a female-led action movie that actually has a really great story that is incorporated so well into the action, but is also trying to be inventive as an action movie, Yeah, I think is pretty fucking cool. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, that rocked. And I know there's other stuff, but I don't remember There's plenty it. of other stuff we've watched, but I can't think of a single <laughs> one. God damn it, Letterboxd. Yeah. Uh, but that's okay. We can start uh, in on our episodes. We so. can start talking about the Wu-Tang Clan. Yeah, so today we are talking about specifically, um, and Garrett did most of the show notes for this. Because hey, I did my, the research for once. Yes, my knowledge of Wu-Tang is not great. <laughs> most of it comes from seeing them on the Chappelle show when I was growing up. Yeah, <laughs> when they have their, their Wu-Tang legal firm. Yes, yeah. yeah. Or just like people just yell Wu-Tang in that show randomly yeah, too, yeah. and you're just like, oh yeah, sure. Uh -huh. <laughs> but like that's like you know my my white girl knowledge of Wu-Tang yes. and I've heard Wu-Tang songs and they're like very good yeah, but yeah. I don't know much besides that I seem to recall that a Wu-Tang song was in the trailer for Knocked Up and I I have oh, to wild. imagine many white people discovered Wu-Tang Clan in the trailer for Knocked Up <laughs> well one of them does work in a Judd Apatow movie uh, doesn't correct, it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that makes sense. I, I believe Seth Rogen is a huge Wu-Tang fan and, and probably led to that, that crossover of people. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I mean, there are tons of members of Wu-Tang Clan and you correct. might be able, a little bit better at talking about uh, this than me. Yeah, we'll talk about all of this stuff as we get into it. Yeah, there's okay. like nine members of Wu-Tang or something like that. Yeah. But um, And then 
literally hundreds of artists that they have like produced or been part of in yeah. different ways. Um, but we are specifically mostly going to talk about two members of Wu-Tang yes. Clan today because two of them have pretty significant acting careers. Yes. So we're going to focus on RZA and Method Man. Yes. And the quote I found, which I don't actually know if this is just something he said or is a lyric from a song, <laughs> uh, but it says, the Wu is the way, the Tang is the slang. <laughs> I That both sounds like it's probably a lyric and something. Right? like they, they often quote themselves from their own <laughs> lyrics in things. So I was just like, oh, I love that. Yeah. Um, the woo is the way, the tang is the slang. Yeah, so first we have Method Man, um, whose name, his real name is Cliff Smith. Yeah, which I only know because he has started crediting himself mm. as Cliff Smith in movies. In fact, I believe one movie we will talk about today is the only movie in which he is credited solely as Cliff Smith. He is not referred to as like Method quotes Cliff Smith, quotes man, mm. you know, he's yeah. just Cliff Smith. Um, but yeah, he he early in his career credited as Method Man, later in his career, Method Man Cliff Smith. Yeah. Like, yeah. So he was born March 2nd, 1971 in Hempstead, Long Island, New York, which them being from New Long Island is just so interesting to me. Yeah. Uh, you know, I feel like when you think of New York rappers, Long Island is not where you are expecting yes. them to be from. Yeah. Um, I also have a very long list of his other nicknames, but I'll probably just read a few specifically that I think are very funny. Yeah, uh, I mean, this is a, this is a Wu-Tang thing. Yeah. Everybody's got a ton of nicknames. Wu-Tang Clan themselves have a ton of nicknames. They are also referred to as the Killer Bees, which is why, mm. you know, we make that joke all the time. Uh, so Johnny Blaze, <laughs> Hot Nickels, <laughs> which makes me laugh whenever I look at it, Iron Lung, uh, Tycalian Stallion, <laughs> The Panty Raider, uh, Johnny Dangerous, uh, Blazin. Uh, I think that's Blazini. Bl oh, Blazini, that's yeah. it. Okay. Uh, Mr. Meth, mm -hmm. Big Dick Daddy, uh -huh. as well as Even Bigger Dick Daddy. Uh -huh. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he had to let him know that <laughs> when he initially nicknamed himself the Big Dick Daddy, yeah. he didn't make it clear enough like yeah. just how big a dick daddy he was <laughs> um so just the few notes i have uh he was an avid lacrosse player growing up okay. which just adds to the hilariousness hilariousness of like the long island i was thing gonna say doesn't me. that feel like a very long yeah, island right? thing is to have been a lacrosse player yeah um he was like one of the most visible members of the collective mm -hmm. uh and then he's also very good friends with like a lot of different creatives but specifically snoop dogg too which i thought was interesting i have to imagine by one of the most visible members uh what that must mean is that he is the one that kind of like had a an acting career kind of popping off early mm. um he had like i think more kind of like success as a solo artist or like an artist guesting on i don't know if you remember but like limp biscuit had a huge song with method man yeah and um, i think i actually probably like i know method man as his like own entity yeah. which isn't necessarily the case for like for all the rest of Wu -Tang of Wu -Tang. for me and yeah. so like it i didn't even necessarily make the connection that he was a member of right. Wu Tang. i just right. knew of method man yeah he's like the he's kind of the one that popped off basically yeah. like pretty early yeah um, and then we have RZA, yes. whose real name, I just looked it up, is Robert Fitzgerald Diggs. Okay, I, I like how that becomes RZA, actually. Yeah, That's interesting. Um, he was born July 5th, 1969 in Brownsville, Brooklyn, New York. Okay. So that's that's probably the New York people are maybe a little more expecting when they hear New York yes. rappers. Yeah. Uh, he also has several different 
nicknames, I think. Were, oh, oh no. no, you're looking at that's the that that is the. Rest I was of like, the nope, members. those are Wu Tang no. members. Yeah, yep. those are the rest of the members. Yeah, uh, which yeah, I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about that since you have the notes here. Well, but you you've got uh, keep keep going on RZA. We'll get to the rest of the Wu Tang. Gotcha. Okay. Um. So RZA is a distant cousin of Flavor Flav. Okay, did was not know that. Okay. Uh, I he's just seems interesting to me because I think he's just a nerd and yes. like. I think that's why I like RZA so much. Yes. Um, but he's a fan of the Ninja Scroll movie, which I know we watched recently, and I was like, oh shit, that movie rocks. Oh, Ninja Squ- Scroll. Ninja I thought you said Ninja Squirrel, and I was like, Ninja Squirrel? No. <laughs> Scroll. Got it. <laughs> yeah, deadly ladies uh, having sex with guys. Yep, yep. I remember that. Um, he is a good friend. He's good friends and collaborators uh, with Jim Jarmusch and Quentin Tarantino, mm-hmm. which we will definitely talk about later. Yes, we will. Um, he was uh, he was part of a group called Grave Diggers in the mid nineteen nineties, which pioneered a sound called horrorcore hip hop. That's very interesting. I actually yeah. kind of think I know what horrorcore is too. Yeah, uh, maybe Jedi Mind Tricks is also that. Mm. It's it's. I think it's like a really like aggressive, yeah. like hardcore version of rap. Yeah. Um, big fan of Mothra and Godzilla. Yes, yeah, I, I did know this actually yeah. that, that he's a big kaiju guy. Um, but then I also just found an article where he listed his five favorite kung fu films, mm-hmm. which are Enter the Dragon, mm-hmm. Five Deadly Venoms, Hell which yeah. we watched pretty recently, Iron Monkey. Never seen that. Uh, Shaolin versus Llama. I don't know that one. And Thirty Six Chambers. Yeah, and so that I believe the full title of that is the 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 Thirty Six Chambers of the Shaolin. I think. Yeah. Um, or the 36th Chamber of the Shaolin, or something like that. Yeah. Um, their first, Wu-Tang's big debut album mm-hmm. is called The 36th Chamber. Yeah. It, it is named after uh, that. There are tons of like needle drops and quotes and stuff mm-hmm. from Shaw Brothers movies in their early albums and mm-hmm. stuff. He's like, he's definitely a huge kung fu fan. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I feel like now, if you don't mind taking over, because uh, these yeah. are your sections. Yeah, yeah. and and so Riza, uh, to your point, too, is he is kind of the, I guess you could say, creative force mm-hmm. behind the Wu-Tang yeah. Clan. Riza produces most of their music. His beats are what is so memorable, in my mm-hmm. opinion, about Wu-Tang Clan. Um, uh, you know, it is their energy and their personality on top of those beats, but mm-hmm. it is, there's something very unique about Riza production. Yeah. Um, to the point that he eventually goes on to score movies and, and work with mm-hmm. people in different kinds of capacities. He really is, in my opinion, like the, the big creative force behind the Wu-Tang Clan. That's interesting. Um, uh, yeah, and so I, to me, some of that interest and intrigue comes across on screen then too mm. as, as an actor. Yeah, because it's like Method Man, I feel like is that person that is like a little bit more in front Big of personality. the camera. Yeah. yeah. And like Riza, like it makes sense that he's doing like a lot of the creative side yes. of, of things. Yes. Yeah. Um so but there are other members of the Wu Tang clan and they have all uh, most of them have been in in movies. Um sometimes just when Wu Tang clan themselves show up in movies. Um but I will uh I've got a list of the rest of the members here there is uh Jizza the Genius Old Dirty Bastard, Ghostface Killa, Inspector Deck, Yugod, Mastakilla, Raekwon. And then um, there's this guy, Capadonna, who is like sort of the, he's like the only guy that was not a part of the original mm. Wu-Tang that was then added to Wu-Tang Clan a little later. Hmm. So he's like the only, I don't know how to say this, but additional official member of Wu-Tang Clan is Capadonna. Um, but there are tons of other people, like most people are probably familiar with Redman because mm-hmm. Redman has done a ton of work with Method Man on screen. Um, Redman is not an official member of the Wu-Tang Clan, but he's one of, I looked it up on Wikipedia and Wikipedia lists like over 120 Jesus. different music artists 
that were either produced by, introduced by, featured by, you know, somehow the Wu-Tang Clan was like how they got their career started. Is like almost 120 different artists, including Redman and a bunch of other people that you've definitely heard of. Um, and they are collectively known as the Killabees. Mm. Killabees refers to this like larger Wu family. That's the other way they refer to it as Wu fam. Mm. Um, and uh, so I, I just thought that was interesting that they have the basically the last like 20, 30 years of rap, you know, a, a good chunk of it you could credit to the Wu-Tang mm. Clan, basically. I also read that as Wu Farm at first. <laughs> yeah, the I mean, also, yes, it is the Wu Farm. That is <laughs> where, the, yeah, yeah, that is where they are growing, you know, uh, fresh young rappers. Yes. Uh, yeah, for success. Um, and uh, let me see here. Yeah, so they... I don't know. Should we just start with their their movie careers? Is that the best thing to do? Is just kind of jump in with that stuff, and then we, we can, can touch on some of the rest of the stuff they've done. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, so in the first credit I could find for anybody was in 1997. Uh, Method Man was in a movie called 187, directed by Kevin Reynolds. He is the director of Waterworld, uh, County Monte Cristo, Robin Hood, Prince huh. of Thieves. This movie starred Samuel L. Jackson, John Hurd, Clifton Collins Jr. Uh, the plot was 15 months after being stabbed nine times by a student at work as a high school teacher in NYC. Mr. Garfield is working in L.A. as a substitute teacher come full time. Wow. Uh, he refuses to be a victim anymore. Oh. Sounds, sounds intense. Yeah, that sounds like a lot. <laughs> I'm assuming 187 might even refer to, isn't that how like New York school districts, they have like numbers or whatever? Oh, maybe. Right? I, th I think that might be something like yeah. that. Um, I I noted this one down because it was the first credit I could find for any of them in like you know, where they're actually acting in a role where they're not like playing themselves mm. or something. And, you know, it's a Sam Jackson movie. It must be pretty early in his career as well. I've not seen this. Uh, Kevin Reynolds made a couple big movies. I thought it was interesting. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, in 1997, Method Man, here's the other thing is as we're going to go through this, some of these guys were in movies like three or four movies a year, which yeah. is wild to me because they are also through all of this touring and like they're doing mm. all kinds of other stuff as musicians too. It's wild, wild to me how much work they did in this time. Um, also in 1997, Method Man has a role in Copland, which is a great James Mangold movie that stars Sylvester Stallone. Have we talked about it on the show before? I don't remember if we talked about Copland before, but I also know we like watched it somewhat recently for the first time, like I fucking a year or two ago. Loved this movie. Yeah, and I I remember really liking this too, and being like surprised how much I liked it, and surprised how much I liked like. Stallone in like an older role because mm -hmm. uh, I feel like he uh, I don't know he like gets that like later on everyone makes fun of him for kind of just being this like mumbly grumbly like mm -hmm. old guy mm -hmm. in movies but I feel like there's a lot of nuance to his performance that I remember he's fantastic yeah. in this movie I think and like De Niro's in this movie like he's also mm. acting alongside some like real heavyweights yeah. and, and I think like holding his own you know he's like he's terrific in this movie uh, I really love Copland so much and it's mm -hmm. like it's like, I guess, like a cop thriller, which I really like. I feel like it's probably less your thing, yeah. generally speaking. And the title alone, I'm just like, ew. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. But it, uh, it is about some of the, th you know, it was interesting watching this movie. I think we watched it like around the time of the George Flo Floyd protests, right? Uh, probably, yeah. I think so. Yeah. And this movie does like, is trying to criticize some of these things. Like it's about a bunch of New York City police officers that don't live in New York City because you know, and it is about the problem of like, well, why are we letting people police neighborhoods they don't live in? Yeah. Like, what what is that actually doing for those neighborhoods that don't and those have communities? A vested interest in yes. These communities? Yes. Yeah. Um. And, and it, I mean, it's about crooked, dirty cops. It it is, in my opinion, like kind of an A cab movie, and yeah. I really, really like it. Um. And Method Man plays like a gangster in this movie. Um. Yeah. Part of the trajectory here is going to be watching these 
young black rappers who are part of, I, I think probably would have been thought of as being part of the gangster rap movement, even if I don't know if that's like entirely true, mm-hmm. um, getting cast as gangsters when they're young. Yeah. And then eventually Wu-Tang is for the children, which is a joke that Wu-Tang makes often. Like eventually Wu-Tang evolves into being something that is, uh, rec- you know, I, I think is now a, a, a popular kind of recognizable yeah. We'll talk about it. Like, they get their own sitcom eventually. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I mean, like, especially, like, Method Man, I think of him more, I guess, in a comedic sense. Yes. And I feel like we have seen him in so many comedic roles. Yes. But he's definitely, like, not playing for comedy in this. No, no. And the movie is not comedic at all. No, yeah. Uh, but I still found his performance in it very funny. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I think it's mostly because I do know him from that comedy background. So just seeing him play this, like, what we, like, you know, I guess a straight like character sure. uh, is is interesting. They also uh, pretty much everything that any member of Wu Tang Clan is in. Their dialogue always has this kind of almost like poeticism to it, mm-hmm. as if they may have written some of their own dialogue. Yeah, and there's always really funny insults that they yell at people. Mm. So like even Method Man in this movie, who is meant to be like a very serious, scary character, I can't remember what he says, but like he yells at a guy at one point and says something re- like has this really funny insult that he lays on yeah. him. And so to your point, it's like there is something inherently kind of there's something funny about them and what they do, and they have mm-hmm. a sense of humor about themselves. And I think are almost portraying themselves as characters. Yeah. That's part of the nicknames. That's part of, you know, all of that goes into this. There is a real performance aspect to what Wu-Tang is and represents, I think, Mm. um, that comes through in some of this stuff. Um, And then in 1998, uh, Method Man is in Belly, directed by Hype Williams, starring Nas and DMX, other rappers. Mm. I've never seen Belly. Are you familiar with this movie? This is like... Sort of famous movie from like the Gen X era uh, that I don't even know why it's famous. I feel like it was a movie that people thought was funny when it first came out and it wasn't supposed to be, but has grown into like kind of a cult classic now. I've never seen it. Yeah, me neither. Um, uh, in 1999, a bunch of the Wu Tang clan, uh, including Method Man and Raekwon, I think playing characters, but Ghostface Killa and Inspector Deck, I think playing themselves, are in a movie called Black and White which I wanted to watch. <laughs> um, and I'll tell you why I wanted to watch it in a minute. It was directed by James Toback. Here's the reason I wanted to watch it. I'm about to read you the cast list for Black and White. Black and White stars alongside Method Man, Raekwon, Ghostface Kill, and Inspector Deck. Scott Kahn, Robert Downey Jr., Ben Stiller, Claudia Schiffer, Joe Pantoliano, Jared Leto, Brooke Shields, Baiju Phillips, Eddie K. Thomas, Elijah Wood, Mike Tyson, and a young Michael B. Jordan as team number two. Yeah, which also, by the way, we you wanted to watch this, but we were never in the mood to watch nope. it. <laughs> I did want to watch this, but every time we were like, should we watch that? We were like, I don't know. It's like, do we want to watch this movie or do we want to watch something we actually want to yeah. watch? Uh, I do actually kind of want to see it. I am interested in all of these people at this time specifically in a movie together. Seems insane to me. I The reviews of this movie didn't look great, so mm-hmm. I was like a little, you know, I, I couldn't tell if we were actually going to be getting in anything yeah. interesting. I'm curious what Wu-Tang is actually doing in this movie. It seems some of them play themselves. Mm-hmm. I get the impression this movie is quite literally about, like, black and white teens in, like, a, an urban setting. Yeah. Having to, like, literally, like, interact and figure out how to interact. That mm-hmm. was, like, the impression I got of, like, what this movie is about. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting to me that apparently Wu-Tang is, like, in it <laughs> as themselves. It's so strange. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, a group of white high school teens becomes involved with Harlem's black hip-hop crowd. Yeah. That is the the... Like, what the hell is young Elijah Wood doing <laughs> in a movie about but this? Yeah, you know? it's so funny. <laughs> I, we have to watch this at some point. 
1999, uh, the RZA is then in, I believe, his first movie role, as far as I know, Ghost Dog, The Way of the Samurai, directed by Jim Jarmusch, starring Forrest Whitaker. You and I have both frequently talked about wanting to watch this movie. Yes. And have not yet watched this movie. And I think we maybe even have talked about it on another, on another episode. You might be right. There might be somebody else in this movie that we yeah, covered. I think so. Um, and, you know, I don't know how significant Rizzo's role is in this movie, but he goes on to be in a bunch of Jim Jarmusch movies. They yeah. clearly get along and really like working together to the point where, like, we'll get to it, but they, he starts making, like, ridiculous Wu-Tang jokes within his movies. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to watching this eventually. I just ha- have yet to see it. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah, I'm interested in like why else we would have talked about this movie, but I'll figure it out later. We did go out of our way, though, to watch the 2001 comedy How High, directed by <laughs> Jesse Dillon, starring Method Man and Red Man as themselves. Which... I have seen this movie before. Oh, you had? I had not. Uh, at least, like, parts of it. Like, I feel like it used to be on TV a lot, or even, like, my friends had it on or I, something. Like, there's a this is not, like, the types of movies I typically watch, so I don't know, like, why it's a thing I've seen, but I, I have seen it. I do think it was a Comedy Central stable for Prob- a while. Yeah, then that's probably yeah. why. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I gave this movie one star. I did not think this movie was very good. <laughs> but we talked about it afterwards where I was like, maybe something we're not considering is that in 2001, because now we live in a world where if you and I want to, we can literally drive up the street and buy weed from a store. Yeah. In 2001, that was not the case. In 2001, we were like in the midst of like a weird like Reagan era backlash of like moms wanting to mm. censor everything and like... Uh, you know, parental advisory stuff kind of coming back into vogue and all that kind of stuff. And so an R-rated movie literally called How High, starring two black men, yeah. um, where they're just openly smoking weed, and that's like it, the comedic premise of the... Maybe that was like kind of... Maybe it just feels quaint now and was like very, you know... Maybe this was edgy in 2001. And there's like a lot of people in this movie too. Mike yeah. Epps, uh, Fred Willard is in this movie. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Jeffrey Jones, Hector Elizondo. Yes, yeah. Uh, oh, I forgot Hector Elizondo yeah, was in this. Also, uh, Essence Atkins, who you might not recognize her name at first, but she was one of the stars of, what was it? Smart, Smart Kid? Smart, smart Guy. Smart Guy, that's it. Yeah. And, and, and was she Sister Sister? I don't know if she was sister sister. Okay. Yeah, but she was definitely smart guy, which I did watch a lot. Me too. So it's just like, and I feel like this was like an adult movie for her to be yes. in. Like after that happened, yes. see, I w- I remember being like, oh my god, like uh-huh. I remember her from this Disney show, and yeah. now she's like in this movie, and yeah, yeah. Uh, the thing I appreciated most about this movie was getting to like. I don't know, finally see Red Red Man and Method Man where they're like ostensibly playing themselves, where they're just like, they're really silly, they're really goofy, they're really like, like this movie is not serious in any way, shape, or yeah. form. And it was kind of fun getting to watch the two. Again, it's like it's this evolution that they're on from like, they they are being cast as gangsters mm-hmm. because that's like how, that's what we see in, in young black men, especially from these circles of like rap and stuff evolving into like these are like comedic personalities now these are people we can put in your living rooms and you can watch them on a saturday afternoon on comedy central and and laugh at them you know like it's pretty wild it's kind of interesting and and i guess it's actually like a pretty quick trajectory there just from like the late 90s into the early 2000s but this is definitely the start i think of that Mm. evolution of their maybe the perception of them you know yeah um I didn't like this movie really, but I, I maybe there's something interesting here that 
Yeah, it you know, it's not in general my thing, but there is a lot of like things that are pretty funny about it. Even just like the premise being these like two like black like guys from the city, one of them who is a drug dealer, like haphazardly get into Harvard right. and then are just there making all of these white people feel really weird and uncomfortable. Yeah, the, like right, they the... talk, they call out a white professor for teaching black history. Yeah. And I'm like, that's like still a fucking thing that we talk about now. And it's like, there's so many, so many layers to that. Like even the black Dean who yes. is like very entrenched in like the white supremacist culture of that Institute in order to get to the position he was in. Like there are some interesting like social layers to this movie, even though it's not a great movie. Yeah, agree. I mean, that was one of the things where like as we were watching it, it was like, oh, actually, the more interesting part of this movie is that like they did include some interesting like critique yeah. within the movie. Yeah. You know? Um, even though I, I didn't like find it that like funny or, yeah. or good. You know? Yeah, but that it's, concept of just like, yeah. yeah, let's make white people uncomfortable yeah. is like, yeah, let's do that. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and, and again, it's funny that like that's how their comedy starts and eventually becomes yeah. like something that I think like, I mean, we're two white people talking about them on a podcast. Like eventually it becomes something that like people are much more comfortable with. Yeah, you know? for sure. Um, which is interesting. Um, uh, next is Coffee and Cigarettes in 2003, which uh, the Rizza and the Jizza are in together. This is also directed by Jim Jarmusch. I showed Tori there. You know, this is a movie that's like an anthology movie, mm-hmm. kind of. It's like a bunch of little short scenes with different actors in them. It's all shot in black and white. It's a really entertaining movie. It's actually kind of hard to find. I was looking it up, and I don't even know if there's like a disc available of this oh, right weird. now. Yeah. Um, it's really good. It's just funny and entertaining. It's got good performances from a lot of good actors. Yeah. This is the scene that I think most people remember from this movie mm. because it is this unlikely combination of the Wu-Tang Clan and Bill Murray <laughs> basically being fans of each other and having like just a weird conversation about coffee and like general wellness around yeah. like caffeine and coffee. Uh, it's very funny. Bill Murray is doing some typical like Bill Murray shtick where he's just like drinking coffee directly out of a pot. And he's like undercover for some reason. Yeah. Like he doesn't want anyone to know that he's Bill Murray, but you never find out why he's undercover. Right, <laughs> right. right. Uh, and, and, you know, Riz and Jizz, I think, are very funny in this scene. They are. They're having like a casual conversation about like wellness and health and mm-hmm. they start joking about like as Rizza gives Jizza more advice about health, Jizza's like, what are you, a doctor now? And Rizza's like, I am a doctor. And, yeah. they, you know, it's like, they, they are very funny and charming together in this, like, Rizza in particular has this very casual delivery of things that I think really starts to work for him, like, as an actor, the deeper he gets into his career. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, very funny in this scene where he's just very casually talking about, like, sort of, like, high-concept health stuff, you yeah. know? I have loved him, like, in the, many of the performances, like, we have watched yeah. uh, recently, which is really cool. Um, and, yeah, they keep doing that thing where they just keep calling him Bill Murray. Yeah, and they especially refer to him since as his full name. Especially since he's undercover, he's like, guys, you can't, like, tell anyone that I'm here. And they're like, don't worry, Bill Murray. We got you, Bill Murray. Yeah. And then they're like, hey, Bill Murray, can you answer something? Yeah. And they just keep doing that. And it's such a weird bit that yeah. is very funny. It's really funny. Yeah, I... Really enjoy this. I highly recommend people seeking this out. Uh, also in 2003, uh, b- most of the Wu-Tang, this might be the most of them that are in a movie together. In Scary Movie 3, RZA, <laughs> Method Man, Raekwon, Ugod, and Mastakilla all play themselves. Uh, this was directed by David Zucker. I saw this on the big screen. I think I did too. And I think this was the scare of the scary movies I had seen was the one I I liked the most. Me too. This uh David Zucker directed this one. He of Airplane and yeah. Naked Gun and you know the he 
he is the guy that yeah. sort of originated these kind of spoof movies, sort mm-hmm. of, you know? Yeah. Um, and so it was interesting that uh, in some way, I do think there's an argument to like, you know, this series did start as like black created, mm-hmm. you know, the Wayans brothers made the original ones and then shifted to, you know, some, some old white guys that, yep. that had made the old spoof movies, you know, which I think there's maybe some, there's probably some critique there that we could do if we wanted to. I know. Um, but I did, I, I liked this movie when I saw it when I was, I don't know, 13 or whatever. And, but like from the one scene we watched, I was like, I have a suspicion this movie hasn't aged well. Oh, definitely not. <laughs> and you can definitely tell it's a bunch of old white guys uh, that made it because yeah. we were like, oh, wow, I forgot the Wu-Tang's in this. Let's look up their scene. And the scene that the Wu-Tang is in is where a bunch of rappers show up to a cornfield and just shoot each other a bunch. And you're like, uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then Leslie Nielsen has like a really offensive joke that he makes about it. <laughs> Yeah, it, it didn't it didn't land great. Not great. Yeah. I mean, Wu-Tang Clan showed up and I I assume they must have enjoyed the joke at the heart of their yeah. scene. Uh, maybe not. Maybe they were just cap, you know, maybe they were just making some money, which good for them. Yeah. But I got the impression they were there cuz they were like, "Yeah, this is funny." Yeah. You know. It's so weird. But it definitely I think feels like in poor taste yeah. by today's standards. For sure. Um, yeah, and there's not a lot to talk about here either. The scene, nobody's really acting in this scene. They're no. all just like firing guns at each other. Yeah, it's pretty brief. Yeah. Um, let's see. My Baby's Daddy, uh, 2004. This is directed by Cheryl Dune, uh, or Dunye. I'm not, I'm not sure how you pronounce her last mm. name. Method Man is in this with Eddie Griffin and Anthony Anderson. Huh. Uh, I wanted to bring this one up because it's directed by a woman, and the, <laughs> the description is funny. A trio of young men are forced to grow up quick when their girlfriends all become pregnant around the same time. So this is essentially, do you remember that there were a bunch of these movies that were about like like men having to be dads? That's so funny because as soon as you said that premise, I was like, have I seen some of this movie? Like, well, they're, they're, I don't know if you remember, but there were like three movies where white guys were the star yeah. and, and they were and the, the covers of the movies are all like dads carrying babies on their, their chest, you yep. know? Uh, like Paul, I, I think uh, like, uh, what's his name? Uh, he, Rob Hubel is in one of them. Nope, I have definitely seen. Oh, this you seen this movie? And I like did. I was like, as soon as I looked up pictures, I was like, oh, yep, I know these actors and these characters. What the fuck? I yeah. can't believe I've seen this movie. Well, it just made me laugh <laughs> that there was a, quote unquote like a black version of this movie. You know yeah. what I mean? Because like there are there were literally like around this time like three movies starring white guys with this premise. Yeah, and one of them is the guy from The Sopranos, right? Uh, yes, um, uh, Michael Imperioli. Yeah, so weird. Yeah. Uh, all right, we're about to run down a bunch of 2004 movies because Method Man was in a shitload of movies in 2004. He was also in Garden State, directed by Zach Braff. Okay, like which I have seen Garden State a bunch. Me too. I saw I it in theaters. I had the DVD. Watched it a bunch. Yeah, and I feel like it was a movie that probably did get me like into movies too. This um, was like our generation's indie movie that yeah. got us into indie movies. It and, was like, one of them. The soundtrack rocked, yep. and it was the first time I really paid attention to like a film soundtrack. It was like, sure. oh, I love this. Sure. Um, but we were both just like, where the fuck would Method Man fit I could into not this movie? Where he would be in this movie? Because it's like you know, white suburban yeah. New Jersey. Um, but then the scene we watched is like one of the most iconic yeah. scenes of that movie that I think is very funny. Yes. Um, where he's like the bellhop at a hotel. Yeah. Where I don't even remember where the scene actually takes yeah, place. Yeah, because it's like they kind of go on this weird odyssey mm-hmm. so this guy can like... a 
retrieve a gift for Zach Braff's right. character. Right. Um, and so it is kind of this like weird ethereal thing that kind of feels like a dream because you're just going to all these random places that yes. like you didn't realize existed. But I think like the hotel maybe has a section or is a front for some sort of like like porn like snuff kind right, of right. area because yeah. Um, yeah, he talks about great line let yeah. me ask you a question did y'all see some titties today <laughs> y'all saw some titties today right yeah yep and then he's just like so everyone calm the fuck down <laughs> yeah, yeah. and like that's it and I'm like I love that scene yeah. I can't believe I forgot that he was in this great delivery he's like very funny in that uh, he, Method Man has like a very I think like particular and peculiar voice like literally the sound yeah. and quality of his voice and when he nails like a comedic delivery mm-hmm. it's so fucking good yeah there, there's something you know i i'm sure part of it is just like the nature of the art that he does like rapping and stuff mm. you know, i'm sure there's like some sort of you do that long enough and and you almost have like a natural poeticism almost and like the way yeah. you can deliver things and stuff mm-hmm. when he nails it it's like it's so funny i think mm-hmm. and uh i mean he really nails it in the scene he's really funny yeah i agree you're right that's like that is what makes the scene so memorable yeah uh, and then he's apparently also in Soul Plane, which I remember when Soul Plane came out. I remember, remember the trailers for that out. movie, yeah. directed by uh, Jesse Torero. Never seen Soul Plane. Don't know that I'm ever going to see Soul Plane. Mm. Seem to remember Tom Arnold is in a movie called Soul Plane. <laughs> <laughs> Seem to remember that from the trailers. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, I also, so this is uh, one of the other members of Wu-Tang, Raekwon, uh, is in a movie from 2004 called Coalition, directed by Joseph Ariola, I believe that is actually his last name. And uh, the reason I wanted to bring this one up is Raekwon also did the music for this. Oh. Um, it's unclear to me if he's actually like the composer or if there are just like Raekwon tracks like in mm. the soundtrack. Um, but uh, it's a realist, realistic depiction of how New York's lucrative construction business is systemically or systematically uh, shaken down by minority non-union huh. labor. Uh, our story is about one man's quest to go up against the city's largest and most dangerous coalition group, the SBM, Survival of the Black Man Coalition. This is an extremely hard-hitting, gritty, modern-day, on-the-waterfront, a true-life voyeuristic view of how both sides of the law is pitted against each other. Huh. I actually thought it sounded really interesting. It and sound the interesting. Fa- and, uh, one of the things that was funny to me is I think this is the one that, like, on the poster literally says like and starring Raekwon like <laughs> he gets like a big credit on this one did the music I just thought it was interesting since Raekwon yeah. like did very few movies that he actually starred in a movie and yeah. it's like clearly like about something that I'm I'm curious if like was maybe important to him and that mm. was why he wanted to do it yeah. you know um, then in 2005 the RZA is as himself in Be Cool directed by uh, F. Gary Gray. Uh, and F. Gary Gray did like... I was like, F. Gary Gary? Nope. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> F. Gary Gray. Uh, I want to say F. Gary Gray directed Fate of the Furious among a Yo, bunch okay. of other... Uh, he's like He is a big black director and mm. has made some huge movies that I'm now like having trouble remembering which ones he directed, actually. Um, but uh, this is technically a sequel to Get Shorty, which you and I and watched. And that's the cast? Yeah. The cast is crazy. The so fuck? Travolta reprises his role as Chili Palmer from Get Shorty. Danny DeVito reprises his role as Martin Weir. Um, and then this also stars The Rock, James Woods, Uma Thurman, Vince Vaughn, Andre 3000, Cedric the Entertainer, Debbie Mazur, Harvey Keitel, 
as themselves. You've also got uh, <laughs> Steven Tyler, Wyclef Jean, or Jean, uh, Fred Durst, Gene Simmons, Anna Nicole Smith, and the Rizzo. Wild. So I believe Be Cool, so um, Get Shorty takes place in the world of movies, and I believe Be Cool takes place in the world of music. Whoa, um, okay. So it's also, I think Elmore Leonard is who wrote uh, Get Shorty, I think. And so this is also based on those same characters and maybe another one of his books. And you haven't seen this? I have not seen okay. this. This is supposed to not be very good. Mm, gotcha. um, I don't know if it's actually like actually bad or if it's more like Get Shorty is such a good movie. Be mm. Cool is just like not a very good sequel. You know yeah. what I mean? Mm. Um, but uh, I do want to see this movie because I really love Get Shorty. And I think that this is a really incredible, interesting cast. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, you know. I think it's fun when we get to see the RZA play the RZA and stuff. I don't know why, but I'm yeah. always interested when he's playing himself and That's stuff. That's interesting. Uh, and then in 2005, RZA was in a movie, also 2005, in a movie called Derailed, directed by Michael Hafstrom. I'm not sure how you pronounce his I name. I think it's McHale. I think he must oh, be McHale. like uh, Scandinavian or something. Yes. Yeah, you're probably right. Uh, also, this stars Clive Owen, Jennifer Aniston, Giancarlo Esposito, and Exhibit. Oh. The reason I am bringing this up is Giancarlo Esposito is going to come up a few more times throughout this list. Huh. Yes, uh, in in interesting ways. He's uh, in more than I expect because I really only know him from Breaking Bad. That's what I think too. Yeah, I, like I to me that dude started his career at Breaking Bad. Yeah, except that he has a significant role in an early Spike Lee movie that I'm I'm having trouble remembering now. But um, am I thinking of the right movie? He's got a big role in. Is it a Spike Lee movie? Yeah, he has much more of a robust filmography than it, I knew of. Now I'm realizing it might not be. A, I, is he in Boys in the Hood? I can't remember. He has a big, significant role mm. in like a a mid late nineties like black movie that was gotcha. like huge and popular. Yeah. But I can't remember which one it is. But anyway, um, he did have a whole career basically until Breaking Bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's just not one that I think most people are familiar with. But, you know. Um, so I wanted to bring this up because he's going to keep coming up throughout these movies. Mm -hmm. I think that he must have gotten along with the members of Wu-Tang Clan that he worked with throughout his career because he goes on to keep working with them. Interesting. Yeah. Also, for this next movie, I was about to pull up my letterbox and add it to my list, and then I remember that letterbox is still down. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, I know. I, I bring this one up for a very good reason. Yeah. So in 2005, uh, Method Man played Deputy Turner in a movie called Venom, directed by Jim Gillespie. Uh, this is about a group of teenagers fear for their lives in the swamps of Louisiana, chased by Mr. Jangles, <laughs> a man possessed by 13 evil souls, and now relentless in his pursuit of new victims. And this is from the director of I Know What You Did Last yes, Summer. which I introduced you to very yes, you recently. Did. And I thought it was pretty entertaining for oh, what it God. was. Such a good, like, 90s bisexual slasher. Yes. And then, <laughs> so, if you look up the poster for Venom, this looks very much like a 2005 slasher. It looks like, you know, green and red yeah. and gross and grimy yep. and, you know, all of those very things. Very specific. 2007. Uh, the RZA is in a movie called The Box, not the one that you're thinking of with Cameron <laughs> Diaz in it. I had that thought earlier. Uh, yeah. Directed by A.J. Kapar, I think is how you, I'm not sure how you pronounce the last name. Mm. Uh, this stars Gabrielle Union and Giancarlo Esposito. Huh. Uh, disgraced former LAPD detective leads a home invasion in search of, wait, a detective leads a home invasion? That can't be right. In search of millions in stolen money. Uh, the plan goes awry and homicide detectives seeking answers interrogate the only survivors, a thief and a victim. Uh, again, mostly wrote this down for the Giancarlo Esposito of it all mm. because it's going to keep being important. 
2007, The RZA is in American Gangster, directed by Ridley Scott, which I have never seen. Have you seen that one? I'm trying to remember if I've seen it, but I actually can't remember. This is the Denzel movie. Oh, no, I have not seen this movie. Uh, I've not seen this one either. I would like to see this one. I feel like this is maybe one of the more mid-tier Ridley Scott movies, mm. to my understanding. But the idea of the RZA being in a Ridley Scott movie. And I guess worked with Russell Crowe. Right. This yeah. is probably where he meets Russell Crowe. Interesting. I have to imagine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so worth bringing up. Um, 2007, Raekwon is in a direct-to-video uh, movie called Hard Rock. Oh, this is the one that is, the tagline is, a fast-paced urban action movie starring the Wu-Tang Clan's Raekwon. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, that is the only reason I wrote it down. thought that was funny. Uh, Ghostface Killa plays himself in 2007's Walk Hard, The Dewey Cox Story, That's directed by Jake Kasdan. I think um, I've only seen parts of this movie on Me too. TV. I've never seen the whole thing. Yeah. I, it is interesting to me. Ghostface Killa basically has like very few other movie credits. Mm -hmm. I think has only ever played himself in movies. Yeah. And very funny to me that he's in Walk Hard of all of them. That's very funny. Uh, oh. So here's why. 2008, Gospel Hill, starring the RZA, directed by... Giancarlo Esposito. I'm learning so much today. This man directed a movie before I think he was even ever in Breaking Bad. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Uh, the stars, Julia Siles, Adam Baldwin, Angela Bassett, Danny Glover, and Giancarlo Esposito himself, a former sheriff of the southern town dealing with past sins and a former civil rights worker, withdrawn since the martyrdom of his brother 30 years ago, confront a threat to their town. Hmm. Don't know anything about it, but... Giancarlo Esposito directed it and saw fit to cast the RZA after being in like two different movies with the RZA, yeah, huh. which I think is fucking cool. Yeah, very That the RZA is cool. like clearly a fucking cool guy. You yeah. know what I mean? Like he works with this actor a couple of times and that actor's like, I'm making my own movie. Do you want to be in it? Yeah. That's fucking cool. <laughs> I love it. Uh, have you ever seen The Wackness? No, I've never heard of it. Oh, really? Okay, so, so Method Man is in this movie. It's directed by Jonathan Levine. I think that Jonathan Where? Levine is the guy that directed All the Boys Love Mandy Lane, I think. Oh, which I've seen once. I'd like to rewatch. Me too. I didn't like that that much. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure that's him that directed that. Um, the Wackness, I remember, was like a pretty big indie movie at the time. This mm. is 2008. stars Josh Peck, Ben Kingsley, and Mary-Kate Olsen. Uh -huh. It's like one of the last movies that I know of that one of the Olsen twins is like in. Mm. Um uh, it's the summer of 1994, and the streets of New York are pulsing with hip-hop. Set against this backdrop, a lonely teenager named Luke Shapiro spends his last summer before university selling marijuana throughout New York City, trading it with his unorthodox psychotherapist for treatment while having a crush on his stepdaughter. Um, I, was, I thought this was worth bringing up because Method Man... I, you know, I've not seen this movie, but I have to assume he is part of this movie's mm. New York City hip-hop 1994 backdrop. Mm -hmm. It's interesting to me... As we get into the later parts of their career, they start starring in movies that are about like the movement that they kind of helped start. Mm. They start starring in movies that are about Staten Island in the 90s. So they start starring in movies that are about hip hop in the 90s. Yeah. Huh. Um, and I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, in 2008, uh, Method Man also shows up in Meet the Spartans, directed by Jason Friedberg and Aaron Seltzer. These are the two guys that basically become the heirs to the spoof yeah. kingdom. You know, they start making the really bad spoof movies that like nobody likes. Basically, no, and there were so many of them. Yeah, I mean, and and also like a bunch of terrible people are in these. You know, like Kevin Sorbo is in this. Yeah, uh, Dietrich Bader is a great person, not a terrible person. Love Dietrich Bader, but he's also in this. Um, this one was a spoof of 300 among like 100 other movies. Um, and uh, da, 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 da. yeah, there's nothing really interesting about this nah. movie. I just wanted to note it because I remember this was like big at the time. Yeah. You know? 2009, 
The RZA is in, I believe he does a voice in Afro Samurai Resurrection. Cool. We own both Afro Samurais. I don't know that you've seen these. No, I haven't. These are really cool animes mm-hmm. um, that are basically set to music that the RZA made. Mm. I, I believe RZA did the soundtracks for both of these movies. Mm. Um, and it might have been a little before he released an album called Liquid Swords, which is one of his best albums, um, mm. is very influenced by like his obsession with Kung Fu. Um, and he basically got to like voice a character in this really interesting anime that is basically about a, a black samurai character. Oh, that sounds cool. Um, it's really fun. They're full of movie references. There's like an episode that is just a Terminator riff. Huh. Um, it's really, really cool. It's really fun. And Riz's music for these is awesome. Oh, cool. It's really, really good. They're worth watching. Nice. And I thought it was cool that I don't think he's a voice in the first one, but they, you know, he got to do a voice in the second one. Yeah. I think it's kind of neat. Um, 2009. Okay, I wrote this one down just because I think this is a crazy title. Uh, Buddy G, Buddy Giovinazzo directed the RZA in a movie called Life is Hot in Cracktown. Weird. I can't believe that's a title for a movie. Um, this is also the director of the non-sploitation movie Combat Shock, which I believe is something <laughs> that uh, Exhumed has screened a few times. Hmm. Um, Lara Flynn Boyle is in this. Shannon Sossaman. Uh, it's got like some, you know, like 90s babes showing up in like a late 2000s movie. Mm. Um, various stories of how crack cocaine has infiltrated the inner city streets and it's based on a novel by the director, mm. which is kind of interesting to me. Uh, then in 2009, The RZA is in Funny People, directed by Judd Apatow and starring Seth Rogen. Again, I think this is how The RZA ends up in this. Is yeah. That Seth Rogen is a big fan. Yeah, and there were like a lot of, I feel like this was one of those movies that had a lot of just like people playing themselves M&Ms in it. in this yeah. movie. RZA, I think, is not playing himself He's just playing like a guy that Seth Rogen works with. Yeah, yeah, he's not. Uh, but it's really funny in this like small role he's where he's just being the guy that is like trying to be honest with his friend. That he's like, dude, I don't know if you're funny enough to be a stand-up comedian. I don't know if you should keep embarrassing yourself. Like and this. I mean, like these are the roles that I feel like I I love for Killer Bees too because it's it is just like these people doing these small like roles that they just like lend a lot of humor and like yeah, like Riz is just very good at playing this like random character that is like I guess probably it's significant in the grand scope of that film. I don't remember a ton of it, but... What's weird is he's one of the most memorable parts of this movie. Yeah. Me. For some reason... I mean, this is like a three-hour movie. Judd Apatow movies are way too long. This movie is so yeah. long. I don't remember loving this movie. It's fine. I liked it, but yeah. it's not great. But like, it's a really long movie, and for some reason, the thing that stands out to me is this little scene with the RZA, and it's mostly because of his delivery of Seth Rogen finally telling him a joke, and rather than laughing, he just goes, hmm, yeah, I did like that one. <laughs> you know, like, he doesn't even laugh at it. He yeah. just says, like, yeah, okay, that was funny. Uh, there's something really good about that. Um, 2010, he's in a movie that you have seen. I've not seen this movie. He plays T-Bone in Repo Men, directed by Miguel Sap- Sapochnik? Sapochnik. Yeah. Miguel this Sapochnik. Is, this is pretty good. I would like to rewatch it because I only saw it the one time and thought maybe it had something to do with Repo Man, which is one of my favorite, sure, like, yes. you know, goofy movies from the 80s, which yep. we've talked about on the show. Love that movie. Uh, very good. Uh, but this does not have anything to do with that, although it is an interesting thing that's, like, you know, near future where uh, people can, like... I guess be like not lent but like put out a loan for like body parts and like things that they need transplants for and if they can't pay them repo men come and just like take your organs out Um, and so RZA is in the context of this movie a famous like musician and uh, no longer can pay his bills and is about to lose his heart to uh, 
Jude Law, who's also a huge fan of his, which is really funny too. So they actually have this like really it's a great scene, nice you, scene you together. Me this scene, I've yeah. not seen this movie, but you showed me the scene, and I was like, this is kind of awesome. Yeah, he like knows what's coming, but like you know, Jude Law's like I'm a big fan, so he like lets him sit with him, and they like r- like work on this song together before he gets his heart taken out. It's yep. wild. Yep, and it, it's a great role for RZA because because of RZA's role in the Wu Tang Clan, where it's like he really is the creative genius behind all of it, in my opinion getting to see him at a board producing some music, being talked to as if he's this great musician that yeah. deserves a moment to be reflected upon as such before having his life taken from him. You yeah, know? like it's clear that's why they asked him to do this role is because yeah. they, you know, are are kind of honoring him yes. and his legacy in the context of this film. Yes. Yeah. I thought that was really interesting. Uh, in 2010, The RZA is in Due Date, directed by Todd Phillips. I've not seen this one. I've <laughs> seen parts of it. I don't think I've seen it. it. Yeah. Uh, you know, this, everybody makes fun of this as just being like a Plane, Trains, and Automobiles remake yeah, of some kind. with um, uh, Robert Downey Jr. Zach Galifianakis. Yeah. Yep. Um, then in 2010, The RZA is also in Paul Haggis's The Next Three Days. Um, <laughs> Paul Haggis is the writer-director of, in my opinion, one of the worst Best Picture winners of all time, Crash. Oh, yeah, The Bad Crash. The Bad Crash. Yeah. Um, Russell Crowe stars in this movie. So, again, RZA is working with Russell Crowe. This is mm-hmm. now twice RZA works with Russell Crowe yep. before uh, working with him again. Um, Elizabeth Banks is in this movie. Liam Neeson, Olivia Wilde, Daniel Stern. Pretty crazy cast, to be honest. Uh, a married couple's... A married couple's life is turned upside down when the wife is accused of a murder. Honestly, pretty good premise. Mm. Might watch. Yeah. Maybe. Um, and then in 2010, uh, Ghostface Killer. Oh, right. Okay. Here's one where Ghostface Killer is not playing himself. Uh, in 2010, Ghostface Killer shows up in When in Rome uh, and plays. He's credited as the Guggenheim DJ. He's apparently the DJ that's DJing at the Guggenheim. Weird. Uh, I mostly wrote this movie down because it is, I, you know, I realized I must have erased this guy's name on accident uh, as I did this. Uh, so now I need to look it up. But it's got a crazy cast. Um, yeah, Kristen Bell, Dak Shepard, Josh uh, Dum- Jummel? Dumel? D- uh, is it Duhamel? Duhamel? Uh, du- I forget. Dumel. Danny DeVito, Dumel. Will Arnett, Angela Houston, Lee Pace, who I fucking love. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and hold on. I've got the director's name right here. It is Mark Stephen Johnson. Uh, and Mark Stephen Johnson directed Daredevil, Ghost Rider, Simon Birch. Weird. It's crazy to me that the director of Simon Birch also directed Ghost Rider. And this is just like a romantic comedy. Yep. Huh. Uh, and he's the writer of Grumpy Old Men, which was like one oh. of the most rented movies in my house as a kid. Interesting. Uh, the reason I wrote this down, though, mostly, was because I was like, oh, Kristen Bell and Dak Shepard are in this movie together, and they're like a famous married couple mm. now. So then I did some Googling and found out that uh, this is, in fact, the movie that I believe they met on. They got engaged oh, like after uh, shooting in Italy together in oh. this movie. Uh, which, you know, I don't know. That's kind of a cute, weird thing yeah. that uh, Wu-Tang Clan cross paths with. In 2011, the RZA is in A Very Harold and Kumar Christmas, which is the only Harold and Kumar movie I haven't seen. The reason I wrote it down is because it's directed by Todd Strauss-Schulson, the director of The Final Girls, oh. which you and I are huge fans of. Yeah. Did not know that they were a Harold and Kumar director. No, that's so cool. Yeah. Uh, I've heard this is funny, by the way. Uh, both the, but the first two Harold and Kumar movies are funny. I think I've only seen parts of them, but I love both of those actors so yeah. much. They're, yeah. They're funny. They're pretty good movies, yeah. actually. Better stoner comedies than How High, in yep. my opinion. Um, uh, in 2011, Method Man plays the Mortician in The Mortician, directed by Gareth Maxwell Roberts. 
The mortician is a lone wolf, emotionally cold and distant to the outside world and its inhabitants. But then a boy shows up at his doorstep after witnessing his mother's murder and his world of solitude is turned upside down. Mostly was just like, oh, the Method Man actually like starred in a movie Hmm. where he's like the title character of the movie. You know, I I don't know how many times really any of them have done that outside of like Riz's directorial movie. Um, And then we can start running through these pretty quick here. In The Sitter, the Method Man has like a small role that we watched, which is directed by David Gordon Green. You've not seen this one, right? Mm -mm. This is like kind of an R-rated Adventures in Babysitting. Didn't even remember this was a It was a movie that existed. It's like an R-rated Adventures in Babysitting, basically, that um, Jonah Hill starred in. Mm -hmm. Method Man plays like a gangster in a bar. Yeah. You know, Um, but kind of funny. Um, and then uh, in 2012, this one we should really talk about. The RZA directed a movie finally in 2012 called The Man with the Iron Fist. Yes, which we watched. And I did not love this movie, but it I do love just how it really is RZA, like... Writing a love letter to like the, the Shaw brothers, the Shaw brothers, yeah, like you know, I've seen enough Shaw brothers to know like all of the the kind of referential stuff that's going on. You've even seen the man with the iron fists, yeah, in, uh, 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 crippled Avengers, yeah, 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 exactly. So like, there's that aspect of it that I really loved, um, and then I also just love there's some really good like female led action moments in this movie really that I is. didn't expect. Yeah, I, he yeah. Uh, he gives a lot of space for the women in this movie to be like truly badass yeah. and cool in ways that women do not often get to be in, yeah. in these kinds of movies. I, I really thought they were just all, like, all of these women are, like, in a um, brothel, and I thought that's just what that was, and then it's actually like, all of these women are, like, trained assassins, yeah. and you're like, that's even better. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm with you. I was, I wanted to like this more than I liked it. Yeah. There is some great cinematography throughout, I think, uh, of, as far as individual shots mm. themselves. But it's one of the weirdest edited movies I've ever seen. It really feels like a mess where like shot to shot, there's almost no continuity. Um, It makes the action feel messy. It makes the story feel messy. Mm -hmm. It's kind of hard to follow. Yeah, it's like a little boring in a way that I feel like Shaw Brothers movies are not at all boring. And Shaw Brothers movies tend to be like pretty straightforward. Yeah. This is not. I mean, it's like a really scrambled story Mm -hmm. that is told in a really scrambled way. Um, Eli Roth apparently spent a lot of time working with Rizzo on the script, even though to me it seems like they made it up as they went along, Mm. you know? I heard Eli Roth on a podcast once. I'm pretty sure say that he had to spend a weekend in a hotel room with Russell Crowe while he was doing Blow, basically rewriting his character in front of Eli Roth. And Russell Crowe is like a fucking mess in this movie. Makes sense because every time Russell Crowe's on screen, at least one character comments on him having a big penis. And that very much feels like something Russell Crowe was like (laughs) on cocaine being like, Eli, write this down. And yeah, it's like his whole role is just like him being like, I'm so awesome. And you're like, I'm like really sick of you actually. <laughs> yeah, there, there is there is a certain amount of B-movie charm to what he's doing in this movie, mm-hmm. and then it's also really fucking annoying and aggravating yeah. sometimes. Um, yeah, I you know I wish I liked this more, but I, I wasn't like huge on this. Yeah. I, it looks like you did take some notes down for this one, though. Yeah, there is. I just like looked up quickly some notes. Um, so the Abbott, played by Gordon Liu, yes. is the same character referred to by Bill in Kill Bill Volume 2. Oh. Um, so he's returning as that character, Yeah, basically. which is really interesting. And I guess is because RZA and Tarantino have like a connection, too. Yeah, I um, believe Tarantino produced this yeah. movie for the RZA. Um, which makes sense, because that's kind of like what Tarantino was doing, especially around this time, is just helping like more directors do like grindhouse-y things. Yeah, he produced a ton of this stuff yeah. around this time. Um, 
and then the other note that I just thought was cool that you'd probably appreciate is the song sung in the brothel or only in the film is the same song heard at the beginning of The Killer oh, from John 1989. Yeah. Yes. Oh, that's amazing. Which we both really like. I see you also noted that the first cut of this movie was four hours, and that does yeah. not surprise me given how confusing the cut of the movie you watched Also is. did not surprise me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so 2012, Method Man, I believe this is the only movie where he's credited solely by his name, Cliff Smith. He's not referred to as Method Man in the credits of this. Uh, he was in a movie called Red Tails. This is directed oh, yeah. by Anthony Hemingway. Um, I wanted to bring this one up because I am a big George Lucas fan. I'm a huge Star Wars mm. nerd going back to my childhood. So I've known about Red Tails for a long time because this is a longtime passion project of George Lucas's. He really wanted to do a story about the Tuskegee Airmen. Uh, and uh, who uh, I can read about this. So a crew of African-American pilots in the Tuskegee training program, having faced segregation while kept mostly on the ground during World War II, are called into duty under the guidance of Colonel A.J. Bullard. And so it's like they fly... Yeah, some interesting history. They fly this like really heroic mission after (laughs) basically being told, like, you're only here because we are not allowed to not have black people in the army, but we're going to ground you. You know what I mean? Like, uh, so... There, it's this interesting story that uh, Lucas has always been interested in. He wanted to make this movie. He's fascinated. Uh, you know, one of the big things about Star Wars is he loves the dog fights. Mm. Uh, and so this is like a basically a dog fighting movie. It, uh, but by that, I mean the, the air, you know, they call them dog fights, but it's mm-hmm. like these aerial fights between, uh, uh, what do you call them, fighter planes, I yep. guess. Um, so he had wanted to make this for a long time because he really wanted to basically shoot that stuff, I mm-hmm. think. Um, this is the last thing that his company made before they sold to Disney. He basically made, even though he knew he wouldn't be able to direct it at that point, Mm. he found someone that he trusted to direct it because he was, he basically knew Disney was never going to make this movie. You know what I mean? Um, the only way it was going to get made is if he made the movie. So he, he Hmm. got it made before his company got sold to Disney, which I think is really cool and interesting. Um, uh, in 2013, the RZA is in G.I. Joe Retaliation, directed by John M. Chu. Uh, he's also in The Protector 2, directed by, I'm not going to pronounce this correctly, I apologize, Pratia Pinkiao, yeah. uh, which is a Tony Jaw movie. I'm a huge Tony Jaw fan. Mm. He's, he's an amazing martial artist. Um, so this is, again, the RZA doing more martial arts stuff, yeah. which is also what Brick Mansions is, directed by Camille Delamar, uh, which starred Paul Walker. Mm-hmm. That is a uh, remake of a movie called District B-13, which is a Luc Besson movie. Uh, it is, do you remember when it was really popular? What was it called? Where you where walking was cool for a while? It was oh, I don't know. Parkour. Remember oh, parkour? That thing. Uh, it's like a parkour movie. Uh, I've actually seen Brick Mansions. It's not very good. Uh, the Method Man was then in The Cobbler, directed by Tom McCarthy, starring Adam Sandler. This is like a really weird Adam Sandler movie that I've not seen. Uh, the Rizzo was then in AWOL 72 in 2015. He was in The Man with the Iron Fists 2, which he did not direct. Mm. That was directed by Roll René. Uh, Thaddeus becomes involved in a conflict between townspeople and their evil master. It's interesting to me that they made a sequel to that movie. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Yeah. Because, um, uh, honestly, it's also not even one of the Rizzo's best roles. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, he, the RZA is then in Mr. Right from 2015, another movie I've seen. This is another one of the Max Landis movies before Max Landis got finally canceled. Mm. Um, but this stars, um, uh, why can't I think of his name? I don't know. I can't think of his name now. You know him. You love him. (laughs) I don't know, dude. (laughs) Let's just go on. (laughs) Can't think of his name. 
2015, uh, Method Man was in Staten Island Summer, which is written by Colin Jost. And this is one of the other ones I was referring to where it's like they start making these like Staten Island movies mm-hmm. where they seem to be trying to like honor the place that they're from mm-hmm. or whatever, you know. Uh, then uh, Method Man is in Trainwreck, which I know we've both seen. We couldn't find his scene in this. Could no, we? I can't. I can't remember a lot about this movie. Me neither. Yeah. I, this movie's like kind of forgettable, unfortunately. Uh, Rizzo plays himself in Pop Star Never Stop Stopping, which I will never stop recommending to people. This is a, an incredible, funny movie. Uh, you know, Rizzo just plays himself commenting on uh, Connor For Real's career. Um, then Method Man is in Keanu in a pretty funny scene where he's like a gangster that has kidnapped their cat. I, he doesn't know that he's kidnapped their cat, but he refers to it as a gangster pet, mm-hmm. uh, which is pretty good. Um, in 2016, Method Man is in Patterson, directed by Jim Jarmusch. Uh, in 2017, Method Man is in Love Beats Rhymes, another one of Riza's movies. So this starts to get fun where Riza gets to direct a few more movies and then starts casting other members of mm. Wu-Tang Clan in his movies, which I think is pretty fun. Uh, and then, um, do you remember this movie, Peppermint? No. So this is a, a Jennifer Garner movie where she is like uh, an action movie star. This oh. is like one of the female action movies in the wake of John Wick uh, that uh, John Gallagher Jr. is in. Oh, Your boy, I do love him. Who you love. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, Method Man is in this one. And it's the director of Taken, the director of District B13, which, uh, again, Brick Mansions was mm. based on. All this stuff just intertwines in a bunch of like weird yeah. ways as it goes on, which I find really fascinating. Uh, Method Man ends up being in Shaft, the 2019 version. Um, and then uh, Method Man and Red Man kind of reprise their roles as themselves from How High in Jay and Silent Bob mm. Reboot. Uh, in uh, Actually, a pretty funny scene that we... I did not like this movie that much, but the scene that we watched that they're in... They're funny in that scene, I think. Uh, both Method Man and Red Man and Jay and Silent Bob. Hmm. Pretty funny scene. Yeah. You didn't enjoy it? Uh, oh, yeah. It was like a funny scene. I just... I. Uh, I know you love Kevin Smith. I do not care for Kevin Smith very much. Fair enough. Yeah, that's fair. I, I did not like this movie very much. Yeah. but I even I don't even know if I've seen like the any of the Jay and Silent Bob movies. I, well, if yeah. you've seen a Kevin Smith movie, you technically have. Okay. Yeah. I mean, like I've seen them in things, yes. but yeah, like not those like specific names. Title characters. Yeah. 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 Um, one of the things that I wanted to bring up about this scene is it's a scene where they are giving Jay advice about being a dad. And this becomes a weird thing that starts happening in this like later part of their career where now Wu-Tang Clan are like gurus. Like mm. they are cast as these like experienced, knowledgeable yeah. people that you should be going to for life advice. Yeah, which like makes sense the way that they are like idolized in certain Absolutely. ways, I'm sure. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I just I think that whole trajectory is so yeah, interesting. Yeah, it is from, for sure. From gangsters to gurus is like such a <laughs> That's you know, the title of the book you're going to write. Uh, yeah, probably. On the, the I just Wu-Tang think that's films. an interesting trajectory for like basically black men to be on over the last like yeah. 30 years, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um uh all right. So we're get we're finally getting into the end of this here. Uh Riza is in The Dead Don't Die directed by Jim Jarmish where he plays a WPS driver, not UPS, WPS. Legitimately great in this scene. Really good scene where he delivers like I think like a rare comic book to like the yeah. Like the gas station attendant. We also, I know you weren't a huge fan of this movie. I feel like I liked it maybe a little bit more than you. Um, But we got to see a screener, a screening of this that Jim Jarmusch was at. And like listening to Jarmusch like talk was really incredible. So like I also just have a fondness for this movie because like we were, we were there. I remember. Well, and I do remember him talking about this a little bit where he was just like, oh yeah, I like that. I like that WPS joke. I just, I don't know, that's funny, (laughs) He's like kind of a a cute old man in some ways, you know? Um, 
and and yeah, this is another scene where uh, as he walks out of the scene. I think it's Caleb Landry Jones. Is that that actor's name? I think so. I was just talking about him recently because he's such a weird looking dude that is like now very popular. And and, uh, is a very intense actor. I mean, he plays like very intense characters. Um, But he he basically asks the RZA like for some life advice on his way out the door. So again, like these guru characters that these guys have become all of a sudden. And he says, Um, life is perfect. Like pay attention to the details or something. Yeah, yeah. Life is perfect. Mind the details or something like that. Yeah. uh, in 2019, Raekwon, again, he, Raekwon was actually in like four, like three or four movies, uh, was in something called The Nomads, uh, The Nomads. And I brought this up because it's a TV movie about a North Philly high school rug- huh. rugby team. Interesting. Yeah. Um, in 2020, Method Man was in Concrete Cowboy. This is another Philly set movie. This is the one about the Philly Cowboys mm-hmm. uh, that Idris Elba starred in for Netflix. I do want to see this at some point. Yeah, me too. Um, and I remember them. Like, I used to live in North Philly. So, like, I, I have seen the Concrete Cowboys before, like, yeah, riding yeah. around. And it's the first time you see it, like, living in Philly, you're like, oh, I know that this is a thing here, but it feels like some, like, mystical experience yeah, to yeah. actually see them in front of you. Totally. Uh, 2020, uh, we've got Method Man in Vampires versus The Bronx. I think this is also a Netflix movie that I think you and I would probably enjoy if we watched yeah, it. Yeah, I feel like I've heard of this, yeah. at least. Uh, Method Man was in something called This Is The Night, directed by James DeMonico, another Staten Island movie, which is why I brought it up. Uh, and then The RZA shows up in Nobody, directed by Ilya Nishuler, uh, Nishuler, Nishuler, um, which is one of your fave movies it's from 2021. really great. The Bob Odenkirk kind of John Wick style yeah, action movie. I know this wasn't for everyone and I know people are uh, our friend Ryan and I were at the movies the other day and he just said it's weird that John Wick is a genre now yeah. which is true and I know this is a movie that is technically in the universe but there are also a lot of other movies that are just is like te- I don't know if it is it technically I, th- I feel like it's supposed to be isn't it I th- I think maybe they left it on the table that if one day they wanted to be like, actually, they are. They yeah. could, but I, I don't know that they're specifically okay. supposed to be the same universe. I mean, they feel like they are. Yes. But, uh, but yeah, like the, this is just a thing now, too, are these like John Wick-esque like, action movies. Yes. Um, well, this is by the writer of John Wick. Yes. No, I know. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Like, there, This is more connected than other movies, yes. but now this is just becoming a thing. Totally. And because we're also seeing offshoots of this totally. like, like directly, but then other people are kind of like doing their own yeah their own versions like we had gunpowder milkshake last year a couple other ones that Um, movie that we watched which is pretty cool yep uh but yeah i i mean i just love bob odenkirk and i thought he was really great in in this this. it was really watch fun to watch him like beat the shit out of people it also has other people we will probably talk about on the podcast sometime including christopher lloyd and uh michael ironside yes Oh, I forgot. Right, Michael yeah. Ironside gives like actually a really nice like tender performance. Yeah, in this something movie. I've literally never seen him do before. Never. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then the there's this big like scene at the end where like it's RZA, Christopher Lloyd, and Bob Odenkirk all like fighting together, and it's like fucking great. It's awesome. Yeah. And and uh, you know, it's kind of a spoiler for this movie, but like the RZA has a cool role in this movie where you don't necessarily know that the RZA is in this movie until. Close yeah. to the end of this movie, he's like a guy on the radio, kind yeah, of, you or hear like his on the voice. phone, yeah. And 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 so even though like maybe I'd prefer Method Man to play that role because it's like I think Method Man's got like the voice of mm. these two guys. 
it, the Rizza is so rad in this he's role. Great. He's so good in this. It's yeah. like it's really cool that like, and I I didn't recognize his voice when we were watching the movie. So like, when he showed up as like the voice on the other side, I was like, oh shit. Yeah, you know? I remember you being like, I I at that point like didn't realize like yeah. that was Rizza, which is why we do this podcast too. I feel yeah. like is to like make these connections and yeah. see what those roles look like. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, he he's really fun in this. I think. Uh, in 2021, there is a plays a character named Pawn Shop Curtis in a movie called Clean, directed by Paul Soleil. Uh, oh, this is written by and starring Adrian Brody. That huh. was basically why I brought it up, because I didn't know that dude wrote movies. No. Uh, Method Man is in a movie last year, 2021, called Last Looks, directed by Tim Kirby, starring Charlie Hunnam, Mel Gibson, and Clancy Brown. Uh, and then I had to note this down. The Rizzo will be a voice in the upcoming Minions 2, The Rise of Gru. It's wild that they're still making Minions movies. Like, hasn't that had its moment? Like, are we still... <laughs> Even more wild, in my opinion, is again, the arc from gangster rappers to now I'm well, a voice in a children's cartoon. But some of that was like a little earlier in their career too because like um, yes. I know you've noted like a lot of the TV yes. and like Method ha- Man had some like like really impactful TV moments like with Oz and The Wire. I think he had uh, yep. recurring characters. Yep. But like also some of these people like Method Man had a voice in The Fairly Odd Parents Correct. which I watched all the fucking time. Um, 30 Rock uh, yeah, has Ghostface Killer, Killa, yep. which I love 30. So it's like interesting too like The Simpsons voices so like mm-hmm. they were doing things that were like in my childhood in my like teen years that I like remember very specifically yeah and in particular the thing that really struck me because I don't remember this in 2004 there was a Fox TV show like a primetime Fox yeah. sitcom called Method and Red starring yep. Method Man and Red Man so wild. and the plot was two streetwise urban rap artists move into a comfortable suburban neighborhood in New Jersey and try to fit in with the predominantly white residents yeah. so it's again like kind of the premise of how high mm-hmm. these like two black guys show up in a place where basically white people don't want black people yeah. to be and and kind of like you know overturn the whole kind of order there mm-hmm. or whatever and that's that's now a primetime sitcom so you know weird. what I mean like the idea that these guys are in people's living rooms yeah. uh, in, in the evening is wild to think about when you think about like what a big deal it was. Like I remember when basically mothers everywhere were like clutching their pearls about rap music. Yeah, you know what I mean? I know. Uh, so it, it just is really interesting to me looking at their career. I thought this would be fun just because I'm like, oh, I really like the Wu-Tang. I knew they were in enough movies that we could do an episode mm. only for that episode to basically become like charting this journey yeah. of like young black men basically finding their place in American pop culture. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's interesting too, like I know here that you noted that Method Man and Ghostface Killer are both in Luke Cage. So mm-hmm. like they're also doing like roles in films that are like very like um, representative and specifically for like BIPOC yep. folk. And so it's like also cool to see like that happening. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Yeah, it, it's really interesting. And like it's worth bringing up that like they also are featured in video games <laughs> about, there are a bunch of Def Jam video games yeah. apparently that they're in. Um, the RZA has done music for like Kill Bill Volume One, Blade Trinity, the Afro Samurai movies I referenced, video games like Gran Turismo. They've done like so much stuff. They have touched every corner of pop yeah, culture. It's wild. It's really, really crazy. Especially crazy as we talked about before that like Method Man is really the only name anyone even knows of these guys. Yeah. You know, it's also interesting to talk about people that 
like, I mean, we do talk about, like, some of these actors from these, like, very specific types of genres of, like, the 70s and 80s. So then mm -hmm. it's also interesting to talk about people who are then referencing those actors that. that, like, grew up on them and, like, were very influenced by them. So yeah. they're making their own things yeah. that are in that similar vein. Um, it's it's just interesting how uh, vast the timeline is where we get to that point. Yeah, like, uh, I forget which one. I think it was Method Man gets to be in a Shaft movie. Yeah. I'm, I don't know, but I I would imagine Shaft is like a big character for these young kids on yeah. Staten Island. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, I this was actually like a ton of fun to do. Yeah. And, and mostly really fun discovering like, oh, I also just actually like RZA as an actor. Yeah, I do too. That was, I was also like, oh, RZA's got this like it really interesting screen presence that I like really gravitate towards. Yep. He, he, there is something calm and casual about yeah. him that just emanates off the screen and it's an energy that I don't see often on screen, mm -hmm. I feel like. It, and it feels so natural. It's, I mean, he, I feel like, he of the two really embraces almost that like guru kind yeah, of yeah, position. For sure. There is something about his like demeanor and the way he speaks and that soft spoken nature that makes him feel like he should be giving you like pearls of wisdom to <laughs> yeah, take yeah. with you. Yes, yes, yeah. agreed. Um, yeah, so this was a ton of fun. I'm glad I got to introduce yeah. you to the Wu-Tang Clan. Yes, thank you for doing all the research, too. I hey. got to lay back and chill. I, I was happy. I'm sure it was probably too long. I feel like I did too much research. <laughs> we probably talked for too long about uh, the Wu-Tang right. Clan. It happens. Um, but, uh, hey, we're, we're back in the saddle. Yeah. Season three. And we have a lot of people we're really excited to talk about. We yep. have at least one really great guest lined up. We may have more. Yes. Um, so I'm excited for y'all to listen to these. Yeah, it should be a big action-packed season three of Killer Bees, which is no longer a Wu-Tang podcast, because we did it. Well, it's no longer not a Wu-Tang podcast. It's no longer not a Wu-Tang podcast. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yes. So we will uh, cross that out and be back with a to-be-determined introduction next episode. That'll be my new introduction. Welcome to Killer Bees. No longer not a Wu-Tang podcast. Yep. <laughs> We're just keeping the joke around in yeah. a different way. Yeah. Yep. Um, is there anything you want to plug? Yeah, I mean, I've gotten some exciting news recently I that, that I am not probably able to talk about just yet because I don't know what the timeline is like well, for when we'll be right. able to talk about it's it. It's possible that by the time this episode yeah. is coming out, you will be able yes. to tweet your exciting news alongside this yes. episode. Uh, but hopefully soon I will be able to talk about uh, some publications I will be in mm -hmm. as well as a discussion I will be giving in mm -hmm. a few months. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you can always read my stuff on Movie John. By the time this airs, I should have a few cool things up, including a new Women Who Kill, uh, which I will be writing about Sissy from uh, The Mafu Cage, mm -hmm. uh, which I really loved. Mm -hmm. And then also a new Cronenberg on sex and gender, which I haven't written in a while on uh, A Dangerous Method, which we actually really enjoyed. Yeah, so I was really excited to finally write about that. That's cool. Yep. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Philadelphia, that's with an F, and uh, on my letterbox to also at Philadelphia. Yeah. That's pretty much it. Word. All right, well. We're out of here. Buzz, buzz. Buzz.